A bruised reed, he will not break. A bruised reed, he will not break. It is not only breaking news, but also good news. Good news is normally appreciated only in times of difficulties, challenges, and in hopeless situations. When everything is fine, we do not appreciate any good news and take whatever happens for granted. This is one reason why a difficult situation makes it possible to appreciate good news. We should utilize our present COVID-19 situation as a time of opportunity to get closer to God. Besides COVID-19, we could be having other challenges, maybe in the area of relationships, maybe in our jobs, maybe in our health, maybe education, maybe we are concerned about children, maybe we have struggles about our finances, Maybe we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. So all the struggles are opportunities to get closer to God and even for a miracle to occur. Some of us may have given into discouragement and doubt and given up all hope of seeing a change in our condition. You know, we could tell ourselves, uh, you know, there's no hope for me. I don't think this is how things have to go. But God has provided a means to change our situation. And this is really good news. God has sent our Lord Jesus Christ to bring healing and peace. Our God is a God of power and purpose. We need to keep telling ourselves that there is a purpose in my creation. I'm not an accident in this world. There is a purpose in my creation and that purpose is to glorify God. We need to be very clear about our purpose. Now, to understand this better, uh, let's turn our attention to a short messianic prophecy found in the book of Isaiah. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the book of Isaiah. Uh, the book of Isaiah written close to 700 years before the birth of Jesus is often called the gospel of the Old Testament. Why is it called as the gospel of the Old Testament? Because of the astounding prophetic revelation of the person and work of the Messiah. Uh, this book, I would encourage you to read this book. You may find it difficult in the first time, but as you keep reading again and again, you'll find it, it's an amazing book, which will draw us closer to God. Uh, you know, people have said, uh, this is something like a mini Bible. Uh, there is nothing theological about it. So don't quote me. It's, there's no, nothing theology. They say the first 39 chapters, they basically speak about the history of Israel. So the 39 chapters represent the 39 books of the Old Testament. And the remaining 27 chapters, uh, they speak about the coming of the servant, the suffering servant. So it's, it refers to the 27 books of the New Testament. So in total, there are 66 books and there are 66 chapters. 
this is nothing theological. Uh, after all, the chapter number and verse number was not there when Isaiah wrote this. Uh, but this is an astounding book. The kind of revelation, the kind of prophecy that you see in this book is amazing. Only if you spend some time and start looking into these prophecies. Uh, the importance of this book in God's scheme of things can be seen from the fact there are at least, I think, um, 85 direct quotes or indirect, indirect references to this beautiful book in the book or in the New Testament. And most of the time it is linked to the life and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is something amazing. So today I want to draw our attention to one of the messianic prophecies from this book. Uh, let's listen to the scripture reading taken from Isaiah chapter 42, verses one to four. Isaiah chapter 42, verses one to four. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not fall, falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is God's word. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we come before you. Thank you for this passage, O oh Lord. Thank you for the fulfillment of this prophetic message in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, I pray as we meditate on this passage, let your presence be with us, O oh Lord. Speak to us, to each one of us, to our children, to our young people, to our elderly. You speak to us, Master. Holy Spirit, you take complete control of this word. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. What is interesting about this passage is, according to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, and you find verses 18 to 21, this prophecy has been fulfilled in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, according to Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 to 21, this prophecy has been fulfilled in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in that case, this is a straightforward prophetic message with profound implications for our relationship with God. So if you look at this message, the message is very simple. If you look at this prophetic passage, it is very simple. This prophecy is basically teaching us about God's servant and God's nature and God's promise. These three things we can find in this passage. So the first thing is God's servant. Now, Isaiah 42, one says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Before I proceed further, let me clarify the meaning of the word servant. Uh, some of us may not uh, like to be called a servant because of the way servants are being treated. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53 is about the suffering servant. The biblical relationship of 
a servant to his master was often intimate. We all know the story of Abraham and Eliezer. Uh, there are several references, but let me give you just one or two references. In Malachi chapter 1, 6, uh, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, God gives special protection for his servants. Now, it is left to you whether you would like to be called as a servant of God or not. I'm sure after uh, seeing the next verse, you will say, yes, I am a servant of God. Uh, Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me. All of us would love to be servants of the Lord because we don't want any weapon forged against us to prevail. And uh, so uh, unlike in the world, worldly system, in the kingdom of God, uh, servanthood, not position, is the key to greatness. In the world, it's all about designation. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter. Designation doesn't matter. It is servanthood. That is the key to greatness. In fact, the more we grow spiritually, the humbler we'll become. We ourselves, we can feel, realize, recognize whether we are growing or not. By the, but to the extent we are becoming humble. Our spiritual state is implicit in servanthood. If you are growing in our servanthood, obviously we are also growing in our spiritual life. Now, in Isaiah 42.1, God introduces us to Jesus Christ, the second person of Trinity, the son of God. And God calls him my servant. And if you read this passage carefully, and if you analyze the language, the language is royal. Uh, I don't want to get into those details, but the, what the meaning that we derive from this language is, we have the king as the servant. We have the king as the servant. And this servant is always obedient and responsive to God. I want to keep in your minds that we all are servants of God and we can always evaluate our servanthood against this servant. This servant is always obedient and responsive to God. And his mission is to bring justice to the nations. And he is the light of the world. And God's spirit will be on him. At the baptism of Jesus, your voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is what we see in Luke chapter 3, 21 to 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. For quite some time, I know for quite, for several years, I thought, Oh God, let that dog come and rest on me when I used to pray. But that this, the meaning of this verse says, basically, Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason we have the verse, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So basically, the servant of God was filled with the Holy Spirit. There is fullness of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of anointing is for what? To bring justice 
to the nations. When we ask for anointing, for what reason are we asking the anointing? The anointing will bring God closer to us and also will take us closer to God. But there is a mission to be accomplished in our anointing. So this anointing is basically to bring justice to the nations. God's servant will give justice to all nations. Let it be very clear to all nations, to people of all nations, especially the poor, the fatherless, the weak, the distressed and the oppressed. Now, that role has been transferred to the people of God because we are being called as the servants of God. So the role that Jesus had has been transferred to each one of us. When we call ourselves a servant of God, this is the role that God expects us to fulfill. Justice was needed during Jesus' time or even during Isaiah's time, and justice is needed even now. There is so much of oppression, exploitation, poverty, violence, abuse. So justice is needed all the more. So when we are talking about, I am a servant of God, this is the role that we are required to fulfill. Now, this is a great role, a magnificent role. Now, you know, this is coming from heaven. So we might think that this great task would be carried out by some major program or public activity you know, Jesus will come and, uh, you know, of course, in the modern uh, day times, there'll be a full page advertisement in all the newspapers and all the TV channels will be talking about Jesus. All WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, everything is filled with this one news that the servant has come to give justice to the nations. That's how we tend to think. But in Isaiah 42, verse 2, it says, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. You know, there'll be no noise, no advertisements, no WhatsApp, no Facebook, nothing that would attract attention to the servant. That's the reason he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. The climax of the servant's ministry was seen at the cross. That was the climax of servant's ministry. Now, it's good for us to evaluate our present day churches. The present day church has too often been attracted by the language of power, dominance. We need to dominate. You know, we become so forceful. But that's not the way the servant of God did the ministry. That was absolutely not the way of servant at all. We want publicity. We, you know, the, the attention is not to the, not to God but to the servant of God. But in this case, the Bible clearly says, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Sometimes I feel people in the church also like this. When I'm talking about uh, in the church, I'm not talking about AGAG community, I'm talking in general. People in general in the church, they like when a leader is forceful and he, you know, he makes statements like, we need to take over this land. Probably that shows our own heart condition because we want to have power over others. We want to exercise control over others. And if you're attending the Bible study, you will, when I use the word power, control, immediately it will come to your mind, these are idols. Uh, these are not good things. So basically of our sinful nature, we like such attitude, such publicity. 
but the servant of god will not shout he will not cry out or he will not raise his voice in the streets i don't want to tell much about this you can always read the gospels this is god's servant the second thing that we learn from this prophetic message is god's nature the attributes of god when we are talking about god you know this prophetic message reveals god's nature this servant's ministry will be the ultimate revelation of the glory of god which fills the earth and belongs to no idol mark my word god will reign over this world this world will be restored no idol no power can be a match to the glory of god absolutely with my they may make all kinds of noise and uh, they may shout they may even indulge in violence activities but god's ministry will be established in this earth he will restore this world now when you think um, of the book of exodus what do you think is the climax of the book of exodus you know keep think just think to yourself because we are all familiar with the book of exodus and we have learned this book right from us uh, sunday school days what do you think is the climax of the book of exodus uh, many of us might think the climax of the book of exodus is the crossing of the red sea but it is not the crossing of the red sea that is the climax but god's glory filling that tabernacle that is the climax if i don't know how many of you are aware the last verse in the book of exodus this is the last verse in the book of exodus exodus chapter 40 verse 38 is the last verse so the cloud of the lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the israelites during all their travels that is the climax and that is what the servants ministry will do the ultimate revelation of the glory of god in whatever we do we should strive to bring out the glory of god and that can be done only when we follow the servant of god not the way the world does ministry but we should keep our eyes fixed on god the way the servant of god did his ministry and uh, the way and that's the way uh, we can bring the glory of god the glory of god fills the earth and as the glory of god fills the earth there'll be no more places for idols and evil forces so how does the how does the servant reveal the glory of god how does he reveal and the next verse gives us the answer in isaiah 42:3 he says a bruised reed he will not break a bruised reed he will not break you know reeds were in plenty around the sea of galilee and also along the edges of the jordan river reeds have basically hollow stems and they are quite fragile quite weak in fact many of the reeds by the water side are broken uh, you don't have to try to break them they can be broken by the wind rough waters animals and even if a human being you know if somebody walks towards the sea as he walks itself he can break those reeds in other words to break down a reed does not require any extra effort uh, once a reed is broken it cannot be fixed and a bruised reed he will not break other plants you know compared to this reed other plants if you prune them or if they become damaged it can repair themselves but not reeds 
Now, in our text, Isaiah is not talking about reeds. He is talking about people. He's telling us that people can become bruised, people can become broken, and people can become hurt. In our world, there are many bruised, broken, and hurting people. They are all around us. They live next door to us. They work where we work. They are even here in this service this morning. We are living in a broken world. There is so much of brokenness. And the important message that we see in this text is that Jesus came to build our broken lives. Jesus is able to heal our damaged lives. You know, uh, we are doing, a, we are studying a book in our men's fellowship. And one of the things that we learned is admit your brokenness, admit your brokenness. And the earlier we admit our brokenness, the more there is scope for us to be built up. So now when Jesus came to this world, the leper was a broken, a bruised reed. But Jesus came and touched him and his life was forever changed. The, the demon-possessed man was a broken reed. But Jesus came and touched him and his life forever changed. The woman caught in adultery was a bruised reed. But Jesus came and touched her and her life was forever changed. The woman with the flow of blood, uh, she was a bruised reed. She thought she would touch Jesus, but instead Jesus touched her in a way that her life was forever changed. Now, Jesus is the answer for those who are bruised, broken, hurting, cast aside by society. There's so much of discrimination. There are problems in the families, in relationships. So Jesus is the answer for those who are bruised, for those who are bro broken. A bruised reed, he will not break. We also read in our text that a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now, this, the message communicated by this phrase is a little different than the Bruist read. Um, you know, I don't know uh, how many of you have used this kerosene lamps to do your studies. I clearly remember doing my uh, maths homework with a kerosene lamp and to buy kerosene itself, it was a problem. You have to go and stand in the queue to get kerosene. I don't know, the present day children may be laughing. Um, that's, that's the way, that was our condition. And what you do by evening, you clean the, wick, you set it ready, you fill the lamp with uh, kerosene, and then you light the lamp, and you start doing your homework and all. And if you have more work to do, uh, three to four hours, you sit, and then what happens? The, the oil level drops down. As the oil level drops down, the flame also starts flickering. It is at that time, you also get a nice smell. In fact, you get a bad odor. The kerosene uh, smell will come and you would not like to sit with this lamp any longer. All that you would like to do is blow out and go to sleep. 
so a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. When the oil level becomes less, the flame starts flickering. And Isaiah says, a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. In other words, Jesus is not like us that he'll blow the uh, flame and then go to bed. He's not going to do that. What he's going to do is uh, he's going to make it brighter. He's going to add oil and he's going to see that the flame becomes more brighter. Now, just like the reeds, the smoldering wick represents people. Now, these are people who started out well in spiritual lives. Uh, they, were, they were on fire for God. They, they began their spiritual life very well. They were burning brightly. They had an intimate relationship with the Lord. But during the course of time, Sometimes a marriage, sometimes a job, sometimes children. You know, the oil begins to go out. The light begins to flicker. And their relationship with the Lord that at one time had been so good, uh, now has become faint and flickering. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. There is some spiritual life left, but not much. It's not that it's completely dead. There is little bit of spiritual life. Isaiah says, when Jesus comes, when Messiah comes, he's not going to put out the light and go to bed. He's not going to do that. It is not his desire to destroy what little faith is left in us. It is not his desire. It is his desire to trim the wick, to add oil to the lamp, fan the flame, and not to quench the light, but to bring it back to greater strength than ever before. And how Jesus is going to do it, the nature of Jesus is gentleness, tenderness, and kindness. Jesus basically came to reveal God to us. And this is God's nature. When we look at Jesus, Jesus is revealing God's nature to us. And how is our God? We heard the song, Good, Good Father. Our good, good father is gentle, tender, and kind. But there are different ways that our relationship with the Lord may begin to flicker. Maybe sin creeps into our lives. Maybe pride. Maybe selfishness. It's all about me, myself. Maybe due to the influence of wrong people, especially those who are working in corporate world, the kind of friends you have, the kind of influence they have over you. Maybe the comfort of our lives. When we become comfortable, we become very weak in our spiritual life. Comfort, in fact, it takes us away from God. When people are in pain, when they are suffering, when they are weak, they always need some help. But when you have everything, when everything goes fine, I said at the beginning, you, we don't even appreciate the good news. This is in fact breaking news. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out is breaking news. And it should touch our hearts today. That is God's heart. Maybe we neglect spiritual disciplines like 
prayer, Bible reading, small group meetings, because we, we don't admit we are broken. Uh, the, the entire, when you understand your salvation rightly, when you understand the depravity of human nature, you know, you're always, you're ever grateful to God that he has remembered you. Yes, pursued you. He has come after your life and he gave his life for you. If only if we understand this, we are broken. There is nothing to stand in front of God and to say that, oh God, I'm such a great person. No, not at all. God, you know, the holy God came in search of us. And that's the reason, you know, people are very hesitant to attend small group meetings and uh, the prayer meetings because they are perfect. They know everything. If at all, if there is, if growth is required, growth happens only by following certain spiritual disciplines. If you want to have a close, intimate relationship with God our Father, we cannot forsake the spiritual disciplines. Uh, we need to pursue with this because our battle is against an enemy. We are in the midst of a spiritual warfare. By neglecting these things, it doesn't mean the enemy is going to sit quiet. He is very happy. The more you neglect your spiritual disciplines, is all the more happy because he can attack you left, right, and center. He can do that. But the moment you start for having the spiritual disciplines, you're blocking all the entry points. But for whatever reason that our spiritual life begins to flicker, Jesus hasn't come to snuff out the smoldering wick. He wants to fan the flame. He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. That's the reason the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let Holy Spirit influence and impact every aspect of your being, right from your conversation, thoughts, attitudes, the places you visit, you know, everything. Let it be influenced, impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what Jesus wants to do for us. Jesus wants to fan the flame of revival in our hearts and in our church. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. We saw God's servant. We saw God's nature. And the last final one is God's promise. There are thousands of wonderful promises in the Bible. And Jesus paid for all of God's promises for us on the cross so that it has been paid for. It has been paid on the cross so that we can say for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You know, in Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he, does he promise and not fulfill? You know, God will not change his mind. Whatever he has spoken, he means that and he will bring it to pass. Because of God's perfect character and faithfulness, God's promises are actually guarantees for us. When you buy an expensive product, you want to see the guarantee card, warranty, and all that. You know, God's promises that we find in the Bible are actually guarantees for our life because of his perfect character and from faithfulness. There are thousands of promises, but how do we make it as my promise? as our promise. How do you do that? How do we apply this message? This is a prophetic message which has been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. We don't have to wait. God's servant, God's nature, 
He is tender, he is gentle, he is kind, and God's promise. Now, how do we apply this message to us, this prophecy to us? The first thing, let God talk to you. Let God talk to you. So how do you let God talk to you? Through the Bible. Very simple. Everything God wants to say is already in his word. You know, people are always looking for some sign, thinking, I wish God would tell me what he wants me to do. And young people, they say that I prayed and I thought he'll come in a blue color shirt and they say all that. And uh, that's not the way of finding a life partner at the end of the day. Uh, we can keep convincing our desires and our, our emotions. But whatever God wants to tell us, he has already told us in the, in the book. So stop looking for a sign and start looking at scripture. The more you look at scripture, you're allowing God, you're listening, you're hearing God speak to you. Stop looking for a vision. You know, there are people who specialize in visions. They have visions all the time. But stop looking for a vision. Instead, start looking for a verse. As you do your Bible study, start looking for a verse. And that is the way you can make promises. That's the way you can make God's promises as your promises. God's will is in God's word. Whatever God has to speak, it is, is in his word. The more you read his book, the more you're going to know what to do. If you read his book less, you're going to think what you think, what you saw in your vision, they are the realities. But the realities are in the word of God. And that's the reason the Bible, the, this message says, a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. He wants us to fan into flame more and more. Maybe you're here this morning. At one time, you were on fire for the Lord. You had that joy in your heart. But now, off late, your relationship is not that intimate. It is not that strong. It's become weak. It's almost on the verge of you know, the flame going out. But be assured that Jesus wants to fan your flame. He wants to bring back the light. He wants to revive your spirit. And he will do it today if you let him. Remember, there are thousands of promises in the word of God. We don't get God's blessing for knowing the right thing to do. We get God's blessing for doing the right thing and making it a habit in our life. Let me repeat it. We don't get God's blessing for knowing the right thing to do. We get God's blessing for doing the right thing and making it a habit in our life. Bible reading is important because God has revealed himself in and through the word. And the very hunger, if you say, Lord, I don't feel like reading, but help me to read. God will, you know, he will not um, snuff out that smoldering wick. He will give you that hunger. Wherever there is an opportunity, make use of it. And then slowly you will get to see God talking to you. You will be able to uh, listen to God. Let God talk to you. The second thing that we should do is prayer. Now, what happens in prayer? Prayer focuses our attention on God. 
and helps us to see that he's bigger and more powerful than any of our concerns. Why are we so anxious? Why are we filled with anxiety? Because we make our circumstances bigger than God. We look outside and we are threatened. We read the newspaper and we are threatened. Instead of that, focus your attention on God and see that God is bigger. We are not big, but he is big and he is more powerful. I said, our God is a God of power and purpose and God is powerful. You know, any challenges that we might face, any challenges, you know, God is bigger than those challenges. And you will be able to realize it if you spend more time in prayer. So what do we do when we pray? We claim the promises of God and these promises become our promises. Till we make these promises are our promises, we will be only rattling out the promises mentally but we have to receive it in our heart. We have to make it as our word, our promise, God's promise to me. And that'll happen as we sit in his presence, as we talk to God, as we commune with him, as we converse with him, and as we tell him, Lord, come what may, I'm trusting in you. Oh God, let this promise be my promise. Speak to me and God will speak. And then you will know your bruised reed he will not break. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a broken reed. Maybe you know of your family members who are in that state. Maybe your colleagues, they are broken. Maybe you're bruised by the cares of your life because life is tough, life is difficult. We are living in a broken world. There are challenges. You know, every time you hear, you only see, my goodness, there's so much, so much of pain, so much of challenges, struggles. Maybe you are broken down and hurting because of what happened in the past. Jesus does not intend to knock you down further. He wants to bind up the bruises of his people and heal you. Your bruised reed, he will not break, and a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. This is a verse which is known to us. It is not, I'm not saying something new. This is not a verse you are hearing for the first time. I only pray this verse will become alive in our hearts. Shall we all look to God in prayer? The word that has come to us, a bruised reed, he will not break, and a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. Will you say, Lord, I want to hear from you. Lord, I want to commune with you. Help me, O oh Lord, as I read the word, Speak to me, speak to me, oh Lord. I am broken, I am bruised. We need to admit, you know, Lord, I thank you. I understand my condition. Oh God, I'm grateful to you. You came and rescued me from the miry clay. I understand my depravity, oh Lord. There is still sin still lurking. Beneath that flesh, O oh Lord, I look to you. Let the word of God cleanse me. Jesus told his disciples, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Let our focus be on the word of God. God has revealed himself through the word. And let us meet with the author of the word through our Bible reading. Let that be our hunger. Today, will you decide? saying that I want to meet with the author of this book. I want to meet with the creator, my creator God. He's the one who created you. He's the one who knitted you in your mother's womb. 
Would you not like to meet with him? Say, Lord, I want to meet with you. I want to speak to you, O God. I want to have an encounter with you. As you read the word of God, spend time in prayer. God is big. God is big. The more we look outside, we will be disappointed. We will have doubts whether truly, whether a God is there or not. But when you spend time in prayer, keeping your eyes on God, you will know that he is bigger. He is on the move. The kingdom of God is moving. You know, we read the newspaper reports and we'll be, you know, we will become discouraged. But God, you read the word of God and you will realize he is on the move. No force on earth, no human being can stop the move of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God will advance. Glorious Father, thank you for this promise that you have blessed us with. Your bruised reed, you will not break, and a smoldering wick, you will not snuff out. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You came from heaven to give us this message. It is our message. It is my message, O oh Lord. It is my promise that you will not break me. Though I am broken, though I am weak, though I am hurt, though I am bruised, I will not be broken because it's a promise from you. Oh God, your smoldering wick you will not snuff out. I pray my hunger for you will increase. My thirst for you will increase. Help me, O oh Lord, to grow in these disciplines, to read the word of God, to meditate on the word of God, and to be in your presence and to receive the heavenly manna from you. For man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Take me to places where I can grow in the knowledge and grace of our knowledge, Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, you will help me. Let the Bible study become useful to me. Speak to me in and through the Bible study. Speak to me in and through the small group meetings. Speak to me in and through the prayer meetings. Oh God, let my heart seek you at all times, with all strength, with all might. You are a glorious God. I want to see your splendor. Oh God, that is my desire. Show me your glory, oh God. I want to see your glory fill all the earth. Let your name be glorified. Holy Spirit, I pray you will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest in our lives. I pray the word of God will spread and flourish. Make this word to grow for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.